Oh, praise God. Praise God. If you have your Bibles, open up to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. We're continuing today our journey through the book of Acts. And uh, last week, we uh, saw things take a turn for the early church, right? The church went from a place of having favor with all the people to now beginning to experience persecution for standing as witnesses of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And from this point on, understand this is where the church lives. We talked last week about how, for the most part, we've been isolated uh, from that type of persecution here in the United States. But we know this, it's certainly increasing even here. But many Christians understand this, even today, they gather to worship under threat of punishment or, or torture or even imprisonment simply because of their faith in Jesus Christ. As a church, we support missionaries uh, in persecuted regions of the world. One that came to mind right away this week is Global Radio Outreach. Uh, This ministry is reaching into the Muslim world with radio broadcasts, 10 different radio stations that are going into uh, these areas, and they're seeing so much fruit. Understand this, when we support our missionaries, some of them are right on the front lines in some dangerous places, okay? And so we wanna support them financially, we wanna support them with our prayers. Today is Mission Sunday, and so the ushers are gonna come back to receive your missions gifts today. And uh, I love this offering because none of it stays in the house. None of it uh, goes to anything right here on site. All of it goes out to support our missionaries uh, around the globe, and so as you give today, Uh, You help us with our commitments to close to 30 different missionaries around the world, missions organizations, uh, to stand with them and partner with them. Amen? And so the ushers are going to come to receive your missions gifts in just a moment. Let me pray for this offering and for the word before we dig into it today. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for who you are. And we thank you today, Lord, even as we've declared there is power in the name of Jesus. And so, Lord, we pray for our missionaries, especially today. We pray for those who are on the front lines in difficult places, Lord, proclaiming the name of Jesus and facing persecution. Lord, we pray today that you would strengthen them, that you would encourage them. Lord God, we pray by your Holy Spirit that you would work through these missionaries and ministries. Pray especially for global radio outreach today, Lord, for these broadcasts that are going into the Muslim world. Lord God, we thank you for what you're doing by your spirit. Lord, we know you're even giving dreams and visions, Lord God, that are bringing men and women to you. And so we pray for more, Lord God, that you would continue to work by your spirit. Use us today, Lord, as we turn to your word. Lord God, would you speak to our hearts? We don't want to leave here the same way. Would you do something in just this moment uh, to challenge us and to change us as your people? We give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, as you give today uh, to missions, why don't you stand with me as we read from Acts chapter 4. I'm going to begin reading there uh, in verse 23. I think it's good that we would stand and reverence God's word in this way. Acts chapter 4, verse 23. It says, when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, here's what he said, why did the Gentiles rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. 
For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed together, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with all boldness. You may be seated. May God bless the reading of his word today. Here in Acts chapter four, we see another Pentecost moment. What does it say? They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, some of these were the same ones that were there, right, at Pentecost, right? And and so again, we, we see this filling of the Holy Spirit. Peter and John and the other believers, they gather together and they pray a prayer that literally shakes the church. I've gotta say, I've had some some wonderful experiences in prayer, but I've never experienced a church quake, right, when I'm praying. Anybody ever experienced that? Like the ground literally shook. And so the question that came to my mind as I looked at this passage this week is, why did God do this for the early church? Was it his way of of somehow saying, I've heard you and I'm going to give you what you've asked for? I think most of us probably know the powerful prayer isn't about saying all the right words. Can we get a little more light in the house? I wanna see you out there today. How many of you know that, right? It's not about just, just saying the right words. Prayer becomes powerful in our lives when it's in alignment with God's will and God's purpose. And so Peter and John didn't come up with a magic prayer here, okay? This is not the prayer of Jabez. They didn't figure out some a magic prayer. Know this, that God looks on the heart and he knows when his people are serious about doing his will. And, and so here they're calling on God and they're asking him to give them what he already promised to give them, right? To give them boldness to speak his word. They're asking that he would stretch out his hand and heal and perform miracles. Now, remember, they had just faced some extreme opposition. They were warned by the religious rulers, by those that were in authority, not to speak anymore in the name of Jesus. And so last week we talked a little bit about how to respond to opposition. If you didn't hear that message, you need to go back and listen, right? We said that the the gospel of Jesus Christ is the most precious commodity in the world, but it's going to take courage to proclaim it. And we said this, that the message will bring persecution, so we ought to expect it, right? And, and when the persecution comes, we ought to proclaim it anyway. And when compromise is offered, we ought to reject it, right? This is the response of Peter and John in the beginning of chapter four, and I believe this, that God was very pleased by their response. It's, it's almost as he jumps up off the throne and says, yes, like they got it. They understand what I want them to do and they know that they need my power in order to do it. Yes, they, they got it, right? Maybe this is what caused the earthquake. I don't know, right? But here's my prayer, that we as a church would always know what God has called us to do and that at the same time, we would understand that we need his power in order to do it. And and here's the main message I want to communicate this morning. It's this, that God will shake our lives. 
He will shake our lives in a good way when we ask him for the courage and the power to do his will. I wanna talk to you today about earth-shaking prayer, okay, and and what that looks like. Five things I wanna share with you today that that are earth-shaking prayer will cause that in our lives. Number one is this. Earth-shaking prayer recognizes that God is in control. Earth-shaking prayer, first of all, recognizes that God is in control. Look at verse 24. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God, and they said this together, Sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Those are words of a, a typical Jewish prayer. Very similar words are found throughout the Old Testament. They are words that recognize God as creator and ruler. And since God is sovereign and he has the right and the power to rule over all that he has made, then none of his creation can stand up against him even for a moment. God has all authority over man. Now, if that's true, you you might ask, then why do so many people seem to get away with opposing God's will, right? I mean, it's not God's will for innocent people to suffer, and yet we know that it happens, right? It takes place. It's not God's will for one person to take advantage of another, but many do, right? And, and sometimes we have this, this struggle, if we're honest, this trouble understanding that God has everything under his control and that his will is being fulfilled when we look at the problems around us in the world. In fact, a lot of people come to this conclusion. They say, well, God, either, either he must not care Or if he does care, then he must not have the power to do anything about it, right? Because all I see are these problems around me. But understand, this was not the perspective of the believers in the first century church in Jerusalem. They said, Lord, you, you made all, and you're actively working to accomplish your will on earth, and nobody can stop you, not even these religious rulers, right? They cannot stop you from doing what you're gonna do. Understand, God is our creator, and he has power over everything in heaven and on earth and everything in between. And each of us, we play a part in seeing his will done. In fact, when Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray, he said, pray like this, to pray to the Father, your kingdom come, right? And, and your will be done. Understand, seeking God's will is not just something we say, it's something we do. How does God's kingdom come? It comes by people recognizing the rule of God in their lives. Even though God is king of the universe, his kingdom only comes when people invite him to actually rule and reign in their lives. The disciples had already done that. I wanna ask, have you done that yet? Have you invited him to rule and reign in your life? So now by recognizing God as creator and sovereign Lord, they're declaring this, that that the God who rules their lives also has power over everyone else, even those that try to oppose him. They're, They're saying this, we know this, first of all, God, that you are in control, which leads me to my second point. It's this, earth shaking prayer understands that God works through opposition. Peter and John, had just come face to face with enemies of Jesus. There's no question that these men were enemies of Jesus. After all, they had him crucified, right? They had him hung on a cross. I'm not saying they're the antichrist, but they were certainly antichrist, right? They were certainly against Christ. But the disciples understood that there will always be those, you have to understand this today, there will always be those who oppose God and oppose God's will. Do you know that today? 
Verse 26, look at this. It says, the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord. That's who they were against. They were against the Lord and they were against his anointed. That's Jesus. This is a quote from Psalm chapter two. It starts out like this. Why did the Gentiles rage and the people plot, what does it say, in vain? Just as King David had written hundreds of years earlier, now the apostles echo this question. They say, why do people think that they can actually fight against God, right? Why do people think they can fight God? We know that Pharaoh tried it. It cost cost him his kingdom, right? It also cost him his life. And now fresh in the mind of the disciples are the names of some current leaders who tried to oppose God. There's probably some leaders of our country that come to your mind, don't shout them out, right? But you would say, man, it feels like they are opposed to God. Verse 27, they say, for truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus whom you anointed, there was both Herod and Pontius Pilate and there was the Gentiles and there was the people of Israel, all these coming together against Jesus. The high priest and some of the other You could say corrupt religious leaders of Israel worked hand in hand with the Gentiles to do away with Jesus. And here's the thing, they thought they succeeded. Jesus had been executed, right, on a Roman cross. His body was placed in a tomb. End of story, or so they thought. And and here's the twist that shows how vain it is to try to actually oppose God. Look, Look at what he says here. Whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. In other words, these rulers, they thought they were smart, they thought they were powerful, they thought they were in control of the situation, but God actually used their selfish intentions to pay for the sins of the world. God already had a plan, and these men who thought they were in control unknowingly helped them carry that plan out. Understand this, church, when we face opposition, when we face hard times, we can rest assured that God already has everything under his control. Like, there is is nothing that could come our way that escapes God's justice. Now, that doesn't mean that we sit back and we kind of passively accept everything that happens, just say, oh, that's God's will. No, we need to pray, right? And and we need to ask God to show us his will for our lives so that we know what he's up to and and we keep in step with what he's actually doing. But, But if God allows something to come our way, he may be teaching us something, right? He may be teaching us to call on him for help. He may be teaching us to, to use his authority to overcome the opposition that we face. Other times, I believe he simply wants us to endure, to learn to endure what's happening, and we're trusting him in the process for the outcome. You see, the amazing thing about our God is that he works through opposition. We sing it so often, right? Even when I don't see it, he's working, right? Even when I don't feel it, he's working. Listen, there will be times in your life where all you see is opposition. Can you know that God's even working in those moments? He's working through the opposition. He's he's working through those that would even come against you. His kingdom will come, and what he wants to happen will happen regardless of the enemy's efforts to try to oppose him. That's what the book of Revelation is all about, right? Some people dig into Revelation. They want to know what it all means, right? The the seals and the signs. What does it all mean? Listen, here's what it means. It means Christ wins. That's, that's, the, that's, that's the basis of the book of Revelation. Christ is victorious. 
I want to tell you, it would help you so much if you understood just this today, that God is in control. Whatever your situation, he's in control. Because here's the reality. We as humans, we always have to deal with things like fear, right? We have to deal with things like discouragement. And sometimes the enemy will come into our lives and he'll scare us. But I want to tell you today, God wants to give us courage. He wants to give us courage, church. That leads me to my third point. It's this. Earth-shaking prayer seeks courage from above. If you received, let me ask you this, if you received a personal threat from the mafia, how many of you would be a little frightened? Let's be honest, come on. From the mafia, all right? You guys are like, no big deal. The mafia, okay? Scholars and historians have actually compared the high priest and the Caiaphas and the others in the first century, the, the, this religious power to today's mafia, okay? This is godfather type stuff. Like these are real threats. And so Peter and John had every rational reason to take these threats seriously. After all, these same people, again, had been responsible for putting Jesus to death. It, it really wouldn't be too difficult for the high priest to use his power and his influence to end the lives of Peter and John, right? He could take them out. But because the disciples had witnessed a resurrected Jesus, because they had spent time with him, they heard him teach, and they'd seen him ascend into heaven, because of this, their awe of Jesus was greater than their fear of those who threatened to put him to death. Listen to me today, as long as your awe of Jesus is greater than your fears, you can always move forward. That's why we come together every week. That's why it's so important that we come to, together like this, that we worship together like this, right? We need to be reminded of the greatness of God. It's why the writer of Hebrews encourages us, let us not neglect meeting together as some people do, but let us encourage each other all the more, right? Even as we see the day of his return approaching. We need to come together like this because we need to be reminded of how great he is. Think of that, that song, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. I used to think that was only about the good things, right? Like I'm, I'm focused on that thing, right? Whatever it is, I'm focused on that car, I'm focused on that good thing, right? But I look to Jesus and it takes my eyes off of those things. But understand, it's also the difficulties in life. When we look to him, the difficulties of life, our fears begin to diminish in our lives as we look to Jesus. For the disciples, their awe of God was greater than their fear, and yet we find them praying and asking God for courage. I, I don't know about you, but I usually only ask God for something because I need it, right? We find them asking God for courage, and it's probably because they were dealing with some fear. Look at verse 29. Verse 29, it says this. They say, and now, Lord, look upon their threats. Look at their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Why did they need great boldness? Because obviously they felt like, I don't gotta have enough, right? They knew that they needed more boldness in order to effectively do God's will. Listen, when you lack courage to do God's will, especially in relation to, to sharing the gospel, you need to know where your help comes from. Listen, church, we're not called to pretend. We're not called to fake it till we make it, right? We don't have to pretend to be brave 
when we're not, the word of God calls us to take courage, right? My wife says it so often, God wouldn't call you to take courage if you weren't afraid. Courage is actually this, if you're following in the notes, it's this, it is standing in the face of fear. Standing in the face of fear. David said it like this in Psalm 56.3, he said, when I am afraid, that's when I'm gonna put my trust in you. I read that and I say, David? You mean David that fought bears and lions? Like David that fought Goliath, he stood up to this giant. You mean to tell me that he was afraid? Yes, he was, but here's what he knew in the midst of his fear. He knew he could put his trust in God. I, I love the story of David and Goliath because you know after he kills Goliath, he chops off his head and it says he carried around Goliath's head in a box. How many of you know that? David like carried, and I'm thinking the next time he was afraid, he just looked in the box, yeah, I'm good, yeah, right? We need to look back at what God has done. When we're in a place of fear, understand God has been faithful and he's not gonna stop. He continues to be faithful in our lives. Listen, we are, we're living in some crazy times. I was looking at the news this morning. I probably shouldn't do that on a Sunday morning. But I was looking at the news this morning, what's happening now even in the Middle East. There's, there's stuff that's stirring. And when we look at the world around us, understand this, fear is only natural, but peace, peace is supernatural. It's okay to be afraid, just make sure your awe of God is greater than your fear, because whichever is greater in your life will ultimately control you. It's okay to say, Lord, I'm scared, would you please give me the courage to do what you want me to do? And can I just say this, that God is delighted to answer that prayer. If your prayer is, God, would you help me? Would you let me know that you're with me today? He will answer that prayer over and over and over again. Yes, I'm with you. When Jesus gave his disciples the great commission to to go into all the world, right? To make disciples of all peoples and all nations. How overwhelming must that have been, right? We're just a small group, Jesus, and you want us to do what? Can we just go to Jerusalem? No, the whole world, okay. But here's what he promised. He promised to be with them as they went. And his promise to us is the same, that he will never leave us, he will never forsake us, he does not abandon us, right? He will give us the courage that we need to face the opposition and to speak the truth and to love on people who need to hear the message. Along with courage, they also prayed that God would keep working miracles, that he would would keep healing, which brings me to my fourth point earth-shaking prayer believes God for the miraculous. Believes God for the miraculous. They prayed, Lord, would you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders, would they continue to be performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus? Now, why were miracles and healings so important to these early believers? I wonder what they would have said. If you would have had one of them complete this sentence, we need healing because. We need healing, there's a lot of ways you could finish that sentence, right? We need healing because, man, we don't like to be sick, right? We need healing because God wants me to be healthier. God wants the best for me as his child, right? I I imagine this though, that the early church would have answered that differently. I, I believe they would have said, we need healing and miracles because they will help people believe the gospel. Mark 16, 20 says, and they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. Listen to me today, if we just want miracles and healing to make us feel better, Lord, would you bless me, right? Personal blessings, we probably won't see them as much as the early church did. 
However, if we're reaching out to our friends and, and our neighbors, and we're telling them about Jesus and who he is, and we're praying for a miracle in their lives, then I believe that God will often come through. Why? Because he wants to show his power to them. He wants to show his power to them. He wants them to learn to trust him as well. And if they know God is able to heal their body or to show other signs and wonders, they'll know this, man, he's powerful enough to forgive me. He's powerful enough to work in my life as well. And that's the essence, really, of my final point. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come back up. I'm gonna close with a song in just a few moments. But understand this, point number five. Fill this in. Earth-shaking prayer results in effective evangelism. I believe this, church, that there's a reason that God has placed us here in this community. I believe there's a reason that he's placed us right here in, in the center of Rockland County. <laughs> And our church has a mission. Our mission is to make fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. There are a lot of ways we could do that. But if we try to do it without praying for God's help to do it, then we won't be effective. But if we really believe that there's only one way to be forgiven, and it's through faith in Jesus Christ. If we believe that the only alternative to God's forgiveness is eternal loss, it's separation from him, then we will make it our priority, hear me, to share the good news. We will make it our priority to pray and to ask God to do what he has already promised to do in our lives. That's the kind of prayer that God wants to answer. I believe this church, more than ever, that God's waiting for his church to report for duty. God is, is waiting for us to say, God, I'm ready to do what you want me to do, but Lord, I need your courage and I need your help to do it. And hear me today, when we do that, he will make sure that we have everything that we need to carry out the task. Would you stand with me today? Man, I'm so blessed by what God is doing in his church. There is, and I, I don't know if you sense it, I sense it more and more from Sunday to Sunday. There's just this passion in your worship. There, there's a, a sense of, of desire to learn from the word of God. I heard about the community groups that went on this week and some, some lively discussions going on in our community groups as people are engaging with the word of God and seeing what God is doing. But hear me today. When you come to a place in your life, when you say, God, I wanna do your will, but I need the power, I need your power to do it, he will gladly answer that prayer time and time again, church. I really believe this. We're gathered together on Tuesday nights. It's such a blessing to get into groups and to, to pray as the church, but I believe it's time for this church to begin praying some earth-shaking prayers. Some earth-shaking prayers, why? Because those prayers remind us that God's actually in control of all things. Those prayers understand that opposition does not stop God's plan, that he works through the opposition in our lives. That kind of, of prayer gives us a boldness to carry out God's will. We need more earth-shaking prayer because it believes God for healing. It believes God for the miraculous, which will convince people that Jesus is actually the answer that he is who he says he is. Prayer like this 
is going to help us share the gospel boldly and effectively. These earth-shaking prayers, hear me, they they should take place in our private lives. They should take place uh, in, in our private lives. But there's something special about when believers come together and they pray like the early church did. Happens here every Tuesday night, seven o'clock, come on out, right? We, we gather. It happens every time two or three are gathered together and they call on the name of Jesus. In the book of James, we read that the Christians that James was writing to, they, they were lacking what they really needed because they were not asking for it. They were apparently asking for things. There was plenty they were asking God for, but it was not according to his will for their lives. And I wonder today, what do our prayers look like? Have you, I wanna ask you, have you been praying for boldness so that you can share God's message with others effectively? That's his desire for each and every one of us in this room. And please hear me when I say this. If you're not really interested in doing what God has asked you to do, then perhaps he's not interested in doing what you've asked him to do. We're called to know God, yes, but we're also called to make him known. And so let's do this. Let's ask God for help to to do what he's called us to do by the power of his Holy Spirit. If you're here today, and you don't know Jesus as as your Lord and Savior, I don't think it's any coincidence that you're in this room. I I don't think you're here by accident today. I believe even right now that God is inviting you into a relationship with him. I would hope today that you would consider his offer of love and that you'd let him come in and change your life. And when he does, he will use you for his kingdom. But everyone in here today that claims to be a believer, that's called on the name of Jesus, understand this, his desire and his will for you is that you would proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ with boldness. If you need more boldness today, just ask him. He wants to give it to you. It's his desire and it's his will. And so as we close with a song today, let that be your prayer. Let that be your prayer even right now. God, would you give me the boldness to do what you've asked me to do by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen, amen. Let's let that be our prayer as we close.